It's Friday, December 15th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Every year in the U.S., natural gas producers lose hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gas to leaks and flaring. All that escaping methane has serious impacts, not just on the environment, but also on public health and safety and the economy. Even though it accounts for only a small fraction of the industry's overall production, the amount of gas wasted each year would be enough to meet the heating and cooking needs of millions of homes. That should be tough to swallow for anybody who's ever had to pay a utility bill. But for Americans who fought wars in the name of energy security, it's adding insult to injury. Here we are just wasting it, just blowing it all over into the air, when we could actually be capturing that, turning it back into money. I mean, that's a huge dishonor to every troop that's serving overseas right now, trying to protect our energy resources. Why Pennsylvania veterans are joining the call for responsible controls on methane emissions in the natural gas industry, coming up. First, a reminder. As of this posting on December 15th, you have exactly one week to cast your ballot for 2018 Pennsylvania River of the Year. Voting closes at 5 p.m. on Friday the 22nd, with the winner to be announced in January. River of the Year program is sponsored jointly by the State Department of Conservation and Natural Resources and the Pennsylvania Organization for Watersheds and Rivers, also known as POWER, which is an affiliate organization of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. Janet Sweeney is vice president of Power and is also PEC's vice president based in our Northeast office. I checked in with her a few days ago for an update on the vote thus far and to learn a bit more about the program. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you. First, just a quick uh, background. What is what is Power? What kind of work do you do? And what's the relationship between Power and PEC? Power is a nonprofit organization with a mission uh, to protect Pennsylvania's watersheds and ensure that the citizens of Pennsylvania are educated and enlightened as to the value of our abundant water resources and the importance of their management. So we operate through the direct work and support of other organizations with similar missions. Um, in 2008, uh, the Pennsylvania Environmental Council and Power joined, and now Power is a 509A supporting organization of PEC. It offered a lot for us to partner. Uh, both organizations have similar missions, including expanding grassroots impact on conservation and increasing advocacy across the Commonwealth for our water resources. And one of the big vehicles for that advocacy is the River of the Year program. Can you tell me some background on the competition, how long it's been running, and what its uh, purpose is? Well, Power is able to run the River of the Year program through our support from the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Uh, the program's been running since 1983. The idea of the River of the Year is to elevate the public awareness about rivers and the important conservation needs, as well as the achievements of these rivers. Hopefully the recognition raises the awareness of our waters and our watersheds, the important recreational, ecological, historical resources. Um, it's celebrated throughout the year. A lot of the River of the Year programs include paddling trips, speaker series, uh, river cleanups. Sometimes the host organization will do photography contests. We partner with the community groups to organize events, including a kickoff sojourn. And then as a part of the River of the Year, Power coordinates with the host organization and DCNR, the production and distribution of a free 
poster celebrating the river, and the host organization receives a $10,000 leadership grant to help them implement this year-long slate of activities. Can you help me get my head around the concept of, of a competition among rivers and streams? Like, what is the what are the criteria here? What are we uh, designating when we say such and such river is the river of the year in Pennsylvania? How is that being judged? I'll tell you about the, the process. So um, we have a nomination process. So we open that up across the state. And that usually opens in like November. And a lot of the watershed organizations and host organizations will nominate their river. And it's, it's based on, you know, like I said before, their conservation needs and their conservation successes. So we'll accept nominations and then we have a review committee that looks over the nominations and then we make a determination based on, you know, the capacity of the host organization to, you know, conduct year-long events celebrating the river whether or not the river or the stream or creek can actually host a sojourn, can you paddle on it, um, what are the conservation needs, what are the conservation successes, and so forth. So we'll we'll do a review process, and then typically we elevate four to five of those nominations to the public voting process. Last year's title went to the Allegheny River, I believe? It went to the Allegheny River, yep. Can you talk about what the last year has been like for that river as a result of uh, being involved in the program? What did they do by way of sojourns and activities? The Allegheny River hosted a number of sojourns. They had a kickoff sojourn. They've done cleanups. They actually turned their $10,000 leadership grant into a smaller mini-grant program that they gave out to other organizations to conduct events along the river, educational events, speaker series, uh, cleanups, and so forth. What are the finalists right now that were nominated? So the finalists right now are the Conequinessing Creek, the Loyal Sock Creek, the Lower Susquehanna River, the Little Juniata River, and the Lackawanna River. So you guys are keeping a running tally of the vote. And as we record this, we're still a little ways out from the voting deadline. But as this episode goes up, there'll still be some time left for people to cast their vote. But can you tell me at this moment in time, what's it looking like? How are people voting? Have you gotten a lot of votes in so far? So at this point in time, we have over 5,000 votes so far. The top three at this point in time are the Conequinessing, the Loyal Sock, and the Lower Susquehanna. And is there any restriction on how many times people can vote? How does that work? Oh, you can only vote once, uh, one one vote per email address. And uh, we have a process where we make sure there's no shenanigans. If you have a number of email addresses, you can vote, but it's just one per email. And you can go on to the PA River of the Year website and uh, cast your vote there. You just need to enter your email address and your vote, um, and then we keep the running tally. And with thousands in, you know, with still quite a bit of time to go, that seems to suggest a lot of people are, are following this. A lot of people are interested. Is this the level of broad public engagement that you usually see with your activities? Yeah, we do. This is really an exciting event. I think it generates a lot of interest and excitement across the Commonwealth. 
It shows how important rivers are to our community. I think they're realizing, you know, the recreational value, the water quality, wildlife habitat quality of our rivers and streams, the economic benefits. So you can see how, you know, this program generates this excitement and people feel close to their rivers and streams and they like to support them. Okay, so how do you support your favorite river or stream? What do you do to cast a vote? All right, so you go to the website, pariverthyear.org, and you'll see on there there's a vote here for your river. There's a little bit of information about each of the nominations, and then you just go down and you put your email address in and click your vote. Sounds pretty simple. Yeah, it is. So as this posts, there is still a week left. Voting closes on December 22nd, and then we will have a winner announced early in the new year, right? Exactly. All right. We will uh, update people when that happens. Janet, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Josh. There are many arguments to be made in favor of regulating methane emissions from the natural gas industry. We've explored a few of those arguments on this show over the last year and many more on the Change for PA website at ch4nge.com. Today, though, we're going to get a perspective you might not have heard. For many veterans, there's a direct connection between military service and environmental stewardship. And in particular, for those who've served in conflicts over energy resources, it can be even more personal. The group Vet Voice Foundation has been touring Pennsylvania this fall, holding conversations with veterans about energy security, waste, and the environment, with a special focus on the methane issue. I sat in on a pair of these gatherings held last month near Philadelphia and Lancaster. Let's hear now from some of the vets who spoke at those events. My name is Garrett Reppenhagen. I'm the Rocky Mountain Director of Vet Voice Foundation, and uh, I served in Iraq with the U.S. Army 1st Infantry Division as a cavalry scout and a sniper. You know, coming home uh, from Iraq, it's fairly obvious that some of that conflict had to do with fossil fuels and uh, energy needs. And uh, as a service member who sacrificed a lot overseas, you know, I thought that uh, we needed to start becoming more responsible on how we use the military, and that meant more responsible energy development here at home. When I talked to my grandmother about the issue of all this waste, uh, natural gas, she told me about her time when her husband, my grandfather, was in the Navy in World War II. And uh, she said that she wasn't an environmentalist back then, but she was a conservationist because she had a victory garden. She was trying to reuse everything in the house. Every, every piece of trash was reused for something else. And she said it was just part of her core value then um, that she needed to do that for the, the effort of the war and because she was an American. And uh, she said that now we have a culture in, in a society that values waste more than uh, conserving. And here we have $20 million a year worth of natural gas that we're just wasting in the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, that's a huge dishonor to every troop that's serving overseas right now trying to protect our energy resources. Mark Lachance, I served in the Army um, for five years, from 2001-2006. I live in Philadelphia um, for the last 10 years. Um, I came here um, on behalf of a friend, but also because, you know, the, the environment is important to me. And also as a veteran, I think that's a, um, 
I'm in a good place to kind of help talk about that and, uh, you know, share the experiences. Because you know, the military, we're very conservative in terms of cause not conservationists is really what I want to see. Yeah, because you know, everything we have to do, you know, you have a limited amount. You know, you're, you're given 210 rounds, so you don't want to waste any one of those rounds. You know, you're given your, your MRE and you field strip it. If you don't eat everything, you know, you're holding on to it. So you kind of take that to, you know, the, the methane. And here we are just wasting it. You know, and going through and just blowing, you know, all over into the air when we could actually be capturing that, turning it back into money, you know, creating jobs just for that type of infrastructure. But yet we'll just blow this methane into the air and like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, you know, and that's, you know, just not not the best way to go. It's funny, we learn a lot about fraud, waste and abuse is what it's called in the in the military. And uh, there are certain occasions, obviously, that I saw huge amounts of all of that within the service. But I think we generally have the idea that, yeah, we need to conserve and, and reuse. And especially now, when the Pentagon says that climate change is a force multiplier for terrorism. And, you know, it makes sense. The more tragedy and disaster worldwide that we see because of the environment changing, uh, the more conflicts there are going to be and the more response that the U.S. military is going to have uh, to that. So, yeah, I think that as a service member and as, as kind of part of this military community that we're starting to become very conscious of uh, making sure that we use our resources and we're responsible. You know, I've spent all my time in the military where all the time I did spend in the military was for, you know, protecting our country, serving, you know, and that's, that's energy. And to know that now that we're back and we're home, but our government is willing to just kind of throw all of that away is probably just the most disheartening thing. And, you know, it's just time to say something. My name is DeMond Mullins. I served in the U.S. Army, in New York Army National Guard. I was with the 101st Cavalry. I was an armored crewman. When I was deployed in 2004 to Iraq, I served in Baghdad, and I was actually reclassified uh, as an infantryman at that time. As a veteran, since I've come home, it's now more than 10 years, I realized how energy issues, environmental issues dovetail with veterans' issues. Uh, right now, actually, I'm a sociologist. I conduct research about uh, veteran reintegration, and I'm looking at, you might say, sourcing the rehabilitative aspects of nature. So getting vets congregating together in outdoor environments. I found that putting vets in nature was, you know, one of the least harmful ways to kind of rehabilitate them, right? It's, uh, we're not injecting chemicals into their body. We are, in fact, putting them in natural environments where they can interact with one another and develop natural relationships with one another, and that is inherently therapeutic. In 2015, I was part of an expedition of combat veterans to summit Denali. This was with an organization, Veterans Expeditions. I realized at this time that when our public lands are uh, threatened, we're also threatening, again, the health of our veterans' population. There's a lot of job opportunities if we start really capturing this, the methane gas. Uh, the development of the technology, uh, the creation of the technology, the implementation of the technology, uh, the transportation, the refining of the gas, 
um, all is going to be job creators. You know, veterans are getting out. They need things to do, but they also want to have meaningful, you know, jobs, something that well, I'm, I'm still providing, you know, not just for my family, but, you know, to society as a whole, you know. And right now, you know, X amount of people have jobs with this type of stuff, and then, you know, they're gone, they're temporary. So, you know, that would be, I think, a, a very big boon to a lot of the veterans who just recently come home. When we require corporations to capture the methane and to refine it and utilize it, those are jobs for Americans that stay in America. They can't be outsourced. And so this is actually an area, as I said, where regulation begets more employment opportunities. I'd love to get off fossil fuels today, but honestly, we're not going to go cold turkey. Uh, we still need to, to have some sort of bridge uh, between our fossil fuel use for energy and renewable energies. And uh, while that base load is still there, we need to figure out responsible ways to do that. And why not create jobs for veterans while it happens? Well, in Pennsylvania, I think uh, the governor, Governor Wolf, can step up in a strong way. He's made some steps in the right direction, but it seems like uh, maybe lacks the political will to follow through on some of those commitments. You know, we need to make sure that he's blocking people from stopping some of his initiatives from happening, and we got to protect the Department of Environmental Protection, and uh, we've got to make sure that we, we capture this wasted methane gas. We just heard from Mark Lachance of Philadelphia, DeMond Mullins of Pittsburgh, and Garrett Reppenhagen with Vet Voice Foundation. All three served in the Iraq War. You can hear more from each of them and from others attending the Veterans Breakfast Conversations hosted across Pennsylvania last month in a new video just posted on the Change for PA website. It's a multimedia resource PAC has created to help Pennsylvanians better understand the need for reasonable, effective policies to control natural gas methane emissions. You can find that video at ch4nge.com. That's ch4nge.com. While you're there, check out other video and audio pieces we've posted exploring how methane affects the climate, how smart regulation can help drive both job growth and technological innovation in the Commonwealth, and how government and industry leaders in other energy-producing states have worked together to rein in their methane emissions. That's all at change.com, ch, numeral 4, nge.com. And that brings this episode and this year of Pennsylvania Legacies to a close. We're taking a break for the holidays. We'll return in the new year with a new show on January 12th. Until then, you can catch up on past episodes at peckpa.org or anywhere you find podcasts. By the way, it's a good way to pass the time if you've got a long road trip ahead of you this holiday season. Send your feedback to legacies at peckpa.org. That's legacies at pecpa.org. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson saying thanks for listening and happy holidays. We'll see you next year. <laughs>